So we're gonna talk about something that Jesus brings up or actually Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter five. And it's this idea of yeast and the bread. The yeast is what puffs up the bread. And this idea that we don't want that to happen in our lives. We don't wanna be puffed up on sin. We don't wanna be in rejection of God through sin. And a lot of times we come to church and we gather and it's really easy for us to see the sin of the United States. It's really easy for us to see the sin on TV and movies and radio and wherever else you look. You see sin everywhere. It's really easy to see it. But as I read scripture and as we study together, what do we learn? It's not about seeing their sin. It's about looking in the mirror on my sin. <laughs> it's about seeing who I really am. Where are the areas that God is working in my life? And I can tell you as a pastor uh, that it, it can become very easy to focus on everyone else's sin and not go to the Lord that he would search my heart and try me and, and search me to see if there's anything in me that shouldn't be there. And so we can, we can live a Christian life. You can come to church. You can look right on the outside. All of your updates on social media can look like you're a perfect Christian person. But we can still have unconfessed sin in our life. We can still have secret sins. We can still have sins that we're holding on to. We can have sin that, that has caused us a lot of pain, but we, we really haven't submitted it to the Lord. We haven't confessed it. We haven't put it under the cross and allowed it to be cleansed from us. And so this morning, as we look at 1 Corinthians, I really want to come at this maybe in a different way um, that you're thinking and, and maybe give us some hope. Because when we talk about sin and guilt and shame, that can be rough and hard and we need to hear it. But I want to come at it and say, God, what do you want us to know today? What do you want us to understand about unconfessed sin? What do you want me to understand about the importance of confessing the sin that's in my life so that I can live and walk with you daily? And so as we go to the Lord in prayer, let's ask him to speak to us, to stir our hearts, to draw us closer to him, to teach us something that we can live out. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, you are holy and just and righteous. And Lord, we recognize that your home, heaven, is perfect. We recognize through the fall of man that sin has entered the world, that we were separated from you by sin itself. And that, Lord, your willingness to come to earth, to be perfect, to die on a cross, to raise from the dead after three days, and, Lord, to, to commit to us, if we confess and believe in you, that we would be saved from our sin, that we would no longer have to face the penalty of separation in hell, but that we could have eternity with you. And, Lord, we recognize that not just our eternity is set, but our day-to-day, -day, our lives can be filled with your Holy Spirit but Lord, we also recognize that we still are in a broken, sinful world and, and our bodies still have flesh and, and we still desire things we shouldn't desire and, and, and do things we shouldn't do. Uh, Lord, help us to clearly understand that today. Help us not to be deceived by ourselves, to be deceived by the world, to be deceived by the unseen. But Lord, that we would hear from you and understand and have the willingness to receive whatever you have for us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give you the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. As we look at 1 Corinthians chapter five, it's always important that we ask these contextual questions because if we don't know who it was written to, why it was written, we can miss a lot of the point of what's being presented by the Holy Spirit to them and to us. And so it's always important to recognize that the author of what we're reading is the Holy Spirit. He is the ultimate author of what we're reading. That means it's timeless. 
That means this is not going to pass away. Uh, This is something that is for you and for me exactly where we are. And God used Paul. So God uses people to present these truths as well. And that's why it's important for us to have friends and, and, and to be involved in places where we can hear how God is moving and working so that we can grow with each other. And so God uses a person, Paul, but really behind all of it, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And God knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows more about you than you know about you. And he knows your struggles and he knows your victories. And he knows that no good comes outside of him. And so when we read this, we recognize Paul's authorship, that it was written to a Corinth church, the church of Corinth. Uh, We also recognize that Corinth was a very sinful city. It was a very lost place. They valued the things that we would put under the heading sin. They were allowing, not just allowing, they were promoting things. That went against what God had taught us, our purpose, and, and really what it is to be in, in, in loving relationship to him is. And so there was sin all around them. So they had this struggle, much like we have today. We live in a sin-lost country. We live in a culture that has rejected God's truth and, and, and has embraced the opposite of his truth. And so we recognize uh, that this letter could have been written to First Port Orange, right? It could have had the, the email address firstbaptistportorange at gmail.org or gmail.com because it's applicable to every single one of us in this room. It's applicable to me. It's applicable to you. And it's important for us to recognize that the struggle is not just the struggle of the world. In reality, the ones that God is redeeming are the ones that are saved. And the redemptive act of God is that he is forming you into the likeness of himself. And so confess sin And sin itself is part of that equation, that we deal with it, that we don't overlook it, that we don't emphasize others, but that we look internally, each one of us, and then us as a whole as a church, to make sure that we're dealing appropriately with the issue of sin. So we want to look to the master teacher in this. Before we look to Corinthians, we want to look to the master teacher, that's Jesus. And here's what he teaches about sin in Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. It'll be on the screen or you can turn there in your Bibles. Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12. The disciples reached the other shore and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, we didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it that you don't understand what I told you? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It wasn't about bread. Then they understood. And they had not told them to be aware of the leaven and the bread but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so when we look at that, we see that this is a spiritual situation, not a physical, but a spiritual. And when you talk about this leaven in the bread, that can be confusing for us today, because how many of you make your own bread, right? Not many people don't make their own bread today. They go to the store and buy bread that's already made. It's probably full of chemicals and terrible things. But I don't want to break that bad news to you today. I want to talk about the fact that when I made this bread, I had to have ingredients. And here are my ingredients. I 
One of the ingredients is this. What is this? Flour, right? How many of you go home and you take a big old spoon and just spoon a whole thing of flour and just eat that and say, yum, that's delicious? How many of you eat flour by itself on a regular basis? Right? No, none of, hopefully you don't, because if you do, that's a little strange, right? So we don't eat this by itself. Um, another ingredient is salt, right? I don't know if you go home, you know, there's salt on everything, there's sodium everywhere, but I'm pretty sure none of us go home and fill up a glass and start drinking salt, right? Sugar, some of us may do this with sugar, so I didn't want to use that right out of the gate, right? But when you make uh, bread, you need uh, dry milk, which is, you know, something that we don't typically use. And then, one of the most important keys is that you use the right measurement, correct? T tablespoon, teaspoon, there's all these directions on how to make the bread. But when you make bread, you gotta use yeast. And what does yeast do? Causes the bread to puff up and to rise. I think this is such a beautiful teaching of Christ when he's dealing with this issue of sin and then this issue of uh, the value of our lives and the purpose of our lives. In your life, you're gonna have, you're gonna have times, we all know this, where it's hard and, it, and it's not good to eat. Right? It's a part of God's recipe for us. Right? And it's going to feel like a spoonful of salt or a spoonful of flour. It's not going to make sense. God, why are you letting this tragedy in my life? Why are you letting this terrible thing? Why are you letting this uh, issue to be in my life? And it feels like it doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem right. And yet, uh, when you come to the end of it, you look back and see how God used all those ingredients to create what he created. Right? And so all of us, we have different things in our life, and, and most of those things aren't things that we enjoy. Most of the things that God uses in our life to grow us and mature us are things we would ask him not to put in our lives because they're difficult and challenging. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes that he, he whispers in our pleasure and he screams in our pain. If I were to sit down and have coffee, if you tell me a story in your life how the hardship led you to maturity, uh, your character was built on the difficult days. Hardship produced something in you that pleasure could never produce within you. And so as a believer in Christ, I recognize that God is creating this beautiful recipe. He's creating this beautiful bread, but what he doesn't want in my bread is yeast. Why? Yeast puffs up. Yeast makes it all about me. Yeast takes what should be glorifying God and it says, I will glorify myself. We can be in a place in life where we overload our dough with yeast. Because if you think about it, think about it, sin in itself, the idea of sin is doing something that you think is better than what God has for you. Sin is rebellion against God's way. Sin is rebellion against who God is. Sin is saying, like the serpent said to Eve, did God really say I shouldn't do this? What if God's holding out on me? What if by doing this, something better will happen? Now in church, our sins may not, you know, we, we may have uh, managed our sins to where uh, gossip doesn't seem to be a big sin, right? Or these issues don't seem to be very big. But Jesus says, um, don't be fooled by the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you don't know who the Pharisees and Sadducees are, the Pharisees were the pastors and teachers of their time. They were the scholars. They were the educators. Uh, they were the university professors. 
They were the ones who were teaching the Torah. They were teaching Isaiah. They were teaching Genesis. They were teaching Exodus. They were teaching the fundamentals of the faith. And yet they used these things to elevate themselves above above the people. And they used it as an abuse to uh, gain power and authority, to belittle and to undermine people that they felt weren't equal with them. So it puffed up their message, though good, most of what they said was good, they used it in the wrong way and it produced something that was wrong. The Sadducees, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in eternal things. They were very uh, physically oriented. They were oriented on the here and now, that your life should be valuable now so that you make a good difference to the world around you. But it's still just a different form of pride, right? One pride we call self-righteousness. I'm self-righteous. I'm better than you. I know more than you. I'm more right with God than you. God loves me more than he loves you. That is self-righteousness. That is what God invests. And then there's self-reliance, where I will make a way. I will do the good. I will make it happen. I'm the, I am in charge of my own destiny, right? And that's pride. And God rejects the proud. He resists those who have leaven that are puffing up what they shouldn't puff up. So we turn over to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we see what's infiltrated the church. The leaven that has infiltrated the church is a worldly leaven. It's a leaven that acts as though God doesn't exist. It acts as though God hasn't said anything in regards to these issues. 1 Corinthians 5.1, here's what Paul writes to the Corinth Corinth church. He says, actually, uh, it has been reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that not even, that's not even tolerated among the Gentiles. And so Paul says, look, you have opened the door. You have put a leaven within the dough that even the Gentiles wouldn't use that leaven. Even the Gentiles would not go as far in rebellion against God as you're willing to go today. Not even the Gentiles would, would resist God as the author of sexuality. God is the author of gender to the level in which you are going right now. Not even the Gentiles would dismiss God's authority over these areas as much as you're dismissing God's authority over these areas right now. Even the unbelieving Gentiles respect God's order more than you do in the church right now. He says you let something in that will saturate and destroy. Romans says the wages of this leaven, the wages of sin is what? Death. Now we think death in the sense that I fall down and I no longer breathe and my heart no longer beats. Yes, it's true. Sin will eventually lead to that and has led to that. But more so, sin leads to death of relationships, death of holiness, death of opportunity, death of the things that God wants to do in your life. When we allow sin in, we kicked out what God wants to do. And if we miss it, because here's the trick, here's how the enemy works. He wants us to be so focused on sin that we don't recognize the focus is on the good thing God wants us to do. And for that to happen, we have to resist the sin. So the sin is not the focus. The sin is the thing we dismiss, we confess, and we move on. It's as though I'm worried about the leaven when I have all these other recipes, items that I need to focus on. All I focus on is the very thing I shouldn't be putting in to begin with. You see, today, every single one of us in this room, every single person, 
God created on purpose. And he had a recipe for you. Right? And when you come to know him, part of that recipe is he's given you a spiritual gift. If you've confessed Jesus as Lord and believed in God, that he raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. The Holy Spirit, when he enters in, he gives you a single or multiple gift. And that gift is to be used as part of the ingredient of what God has created in and through you. You've been given a heart, a passion. Maybe you love children. Maybe you love the innocent. Maybe you love uh, helping. Maybe you love God's word. He gives you a passion. It's not a passion you birth. It's a passion he gives to you. And then he gives you ability. Some of you are great at speaking. Some of you are great at doing uh, the tasks that need to be done. Some of you are great at counseling. You, uh, you have an ability that God, that's part of your recipe. Right? You have a personality. Each one of us has a different personality. Some of you are extroverts. Some of you are introverts. Some of you have big personalities. Some of you have quieter personalities. Do you think that was by chance and by mistake? Or is that not the recipe that God is creating you with? Your experience, everything in your life that has happened to you is your experience. Do you think that God wastes your experience? Do you think that God just wants to say, well, it happened too bad, so sad, I guess that's just the way it goes? Is that how God sees the experiences? So you have hard, terrible uh, experiences in your life. Guess what? Part of your recipe is producing something wonderful that God uses. Because other people have that recipe too. Other people have that challenge too. And when they see the goodness of God and what he can, when you get in his oven and he begins to do the baking and he begins to do the working and the power of God enters into that recipe, it produces a beautiful scent that impacts everyone around. It produces something that brings life to people around. You have a recipe for something beautiful because God's plan for the world was this, that through him, we all would reveal him to the world. The recipe is his recipe. It's the death, burial, resurrection. That when that is applied to you, you become truly human, truly what he desired you to be. But we have a challenge, do we not? Because sin is the yeast. It makes its way into our recipe. Sin is the thing that will keep us. Do you know how many times I've messed up this recipe? Because you've got to do it right. If, you know, it's like, if you get the yeast in the water, the bread will not form properly. If you put too much salt, I put too much salt. You know what it does when you put too much salt in a bread recipe? It is disgusting. <laughs> it's hard to eat. Um, I've made bread that's harder than most bricks before. Right? Because I messed up on the recipe. Because I didn't do it the way it was intended to be. And this morning, there's so many people around us that are missing this because they're being given a recipe from the world that only leads to death. We've been given the recipe that leads to life. And when we recognize, I'm not going to focus on the yeast. I'm going to make sure there's no yeast. I'm going to focus on what is God doing in me and through me and with me today. I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like heaven. I want to be a heavenly person. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 8, he gives them the answer. He gives them hope. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Sin does not stay small. 
Did you know that sin is a seed that grows very large if you allow it to? C.S. Lewis says there's no such thing as a small lie. It's like a small pregnancy. Yes, it might start small, but it's going to grow into something, (laughs) right? Sin does not stay small. As much as we want to justify, and we're good at justifying, I'm good at justifying things, you can justify sin that leads to death. And it starts small, but it always grows big. That's why you got to get rid of it as soon as you can. And the way we get rid of it is confession. Verse 7. Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. So here's what has to happen. When we gather together and we look at God's word, he says, look at your recipe. Look at who you've become. Look at how things are going. And then say, is there any leaven in me? Do I have any leaven? How do I know if I have leaven? Because it puffs up. It's prideful. It's selfish. It's self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about who I am. It's all about me determining my own future. Anything like that is leaven that lives within me. And he says, go into your soul. Go into your heart and clean out all that leaven. How do you clean out leaven? How do you clean out sin in your life? It's very simple. Confession. Confession before the Lord. You see, we have a repentance. When, when you come to Christ, you repent your sin and say, I'm a sinner. And, and Christ's blood covers all of your sin. But now he's called you to walk with him. And walking with him doesn't, it's not the, the thing that leads to salvation. It's the thing that produces you to become what he wants you to be. Sanctification. It's sanctifying you. It's making you who God wants you to be. And so confession is that time where I say, man, I struggle with anger. Uh, I struggle with with." Uh, with these things where I say things about people I shouldn't say, I I do things I shouldn't do, whatever it is, feelings, emotions, attitudes, these things I know that live in me that shouldn't be living there. I'm the temple of God. This should be a holy vessel. There should be holiness and grace and peace, and there should be fruit of his holiness and fruit of his spirit produced within my life. I should have a love for people and a joy that passes understanding and a peace that comes in times of war and, and, and compassion for those that are lost and slow to anger and quick to mercy and a desire to love. And if I find myself with no desire to love people and I have hostility and anger, this is the leaven within me that I have to confront. This is the leaven that Jesus talks about. This is the leaven that Paul talks about. If I come to a place where I'm hardened and I'm bitter, that is, that is the production of leaven hardening your heart. The pride leads to a hardened heart. A hardness towards everyone, a hardness towards your own life. You begin to hate your very life because the leaven can only produce death. And so we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to be willing to clean as though we would clean anything in our lives. To be honest and say, uh, I'll just sweep it under the rug is not the answer. I must deal with it appropriately. And Jesus says the appropriate way is to go to him and lay it at his feet and say, Father, forgive me. Cleanse me from this unrighteousness. That is exactly what David did. Do you know why David is seen as a friend of God and close to God and Saul is thought of as a poor king? Because when David was confronted with very terrible sin, he he recognized how horrible it was and he ripped his cloth and he weeped and he mourned that sin because he recognized what sin does. 
When Joseph is confronted by Potiphar's wife to, to live in a life of sin, he says, I can't do this and sin against my master. But more importantly, I can't do this and break relationship with God. That's allowing leaven into my life, and that leaven will puff up, and it will destroy me. It will destroy my relationships. It will destroy the thing that God wants in my life. You see, we have this recipe that God entrusts us with, and he says, look, I will produce it. I will work it. I will, I will be the one that makes it wonderful. You need to get the leaven out of it. Your job is get that leaven out of it. I'll do the rest. And if you allow that to happen, if you allow that to take place, there's something sweet and beautiful that will be produced, something wonderful and amazing, something that you could never have imagined will take place in your life. Sin is cleansed by confession. And here's the why. For Christ's, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old leaven, with the leaven of malice and evil, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross gives us freedom. Freedom to love. What is that freedom that Jesus gives us? He gives us freedom. He gives you the freedom to become what he If you have leaven in your life, you will never have the freedom. If you have unconfessed, hidden sin in your life, you will not have the freedom to become what God intends you to be. That is why sin is dangerous. It keeps you. The God, think about this. The God who created the ocean. The God who created the forest. The God who created the beauty of this world who creates things from a seed into a beautiful plant and a beautiful flower and a beautiful garden. The same God who does all those things says, I will do that with you. Just get rid of the leaven. I will do this with you. Produce something you can never have produced by trying to do it on your own. By trying to produce some kind of self-righteous life. Self-reliant life. Where you're the God of your own universe. You see, the beauty is he's given it to us. He said, look, confess and believe. Trust and obey. There's no other way. There's no other way. Today, in our lives, do we recognize we have been set free? The cross of Christ has set us free. He has set us free to become what we're supposed to be. I cannot become the husband. I cannot become the father. I cannot become the pastor. I cannot become the neighbor. I cannot become the citizen. I cannot become any of the things that I am called to be without the freedom of Christ. Amen. And without me dealing with the leaven of sin in my life. If we go to church and pretend we're sinless, we are the chief of liars. If I say sin doesn't affect me, I'm above it all. Look at me. Then I am a fool and a hypocrite, and the world is right to judge me. I'm the chief of sinners. I struggle, and I know it. And I go to the Lord and say, please, Lord, help me. Guide me. 
show me. And this morning, my prayer is that we would all as a family come together and say, we're not perfect, but he's perfect and he will help us. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to fix all of these problems. And when it comes to sin, I don't have to pay for the sin. I just have to confess it. I truly believe, I truly believe that the enemy, this is where he's got us so lost. Because you come to church and you think, well, I got to look away, I got to talk away. Uh, What if they find out I'm not perfect? What if they find out I have issues? What if they find out everything in my life has issues? What are they going to think of me? How can I live in this perfect thing and and make people think I'm perfect? That's not church. Church is a a broken vessel of people where where the father is conforming it into a beautiful bride. Person by person, day by day, hour by hour, and mostly through confession and belief, through serving and loving, and then confessing and believing. This is the act that God has called us to. A church is not a building, it's not a place, it's not a time. The church is what Jesus died on the cross to establish that the world may know God and be known by God. We are on a mission to tell the world they no longer have to be a slave to sin. They no longer have to be under its control, but that today you can have freedom to be what you're supposed to be, the freedom of the creator's purpose in your life. Do we realize that today? Here are some questions to consider as we look at chapter five of 1 Corinthians. Do you have intentional unconfessed sin in your life? Do I have intentional unconfessed sin in my life? Do I seek holiness? Do you seek holiness? Do you desire to be right? Do you desire to get the leaven out of your life? I can tell you as someone, as a human being, there are times you're like, I just want to be angry. I just want to hold on to this sin because I don't know what it's like not to have it in my life. One of the things you and I have to do is come to a place where we realize that sin is not our friend. It's not our protector. It's not our supporter. Sin is a liar. Sin will lie to you up and down to convince you to allow it to live within you. And it'll give you every reason why you shouldn't tell it to leave. It's like a a very dysfunctional couple (laughs) where it's convincing you how much you should be in this relationship. And you shouldn't. Sin destroys. Sin only brings death. There's no good that comes from sin. It is a very short-lived pleasure. And then a long road of pain. Do you trust God with all the areas in your life? Do you trust God that your past is forgiven? Do you trust God that today, if you follow him, this day matters and you will have used this day well? Do you trust him with your future, with your kids, your grandkids, your job, your finances, your health? Do you trust God with everything that's yet to come? Do you trust him? Because this is what it is, right? Why would we gather If we can't, I can put my trust that I'm going to go to heaven, but everything else, not so much. That makes no sense. It makes no sense to say, I believe he died on this cross for my sins, but I don't think he can deal with my health or my finances or my kids. I can trust him with everything but all of these. That doesn't make sense. And so do I trust God in all of the areas and all means all? of the areas of my life? Do I take sin seriously? Am I like, well, no one's gonna find out. 
it's not really that big of a deal. Everybody's doing it. Only the cool people do it, right? I mean, sin is so easy to say it's okay, it's not a big deal. Sin is the one area that we, uh, we underestimate on a regular basis. We underestimate how it's affecting us. We wonder, why am I angry? Why am I moody? Why do I have all these issues? Why do I have all these challenges? Why are all these things happening to me? And I never go to sin and, and accuse sin. <laughs> it couldn't be sin. Sin would never do that to me. And yet it's probably sin. Why do we do that? Because we need the Lord's help. I need the Lord's help. You need the Lord's help. We need the Lord's help. Do you know that you're forgiven and free? Today, out of all the things, out of all the things, do you believe that God is producing in you something amazing? Do you believe that God has taken the recipe of your life and he's producing something that is amazing and wonderful and pleasing and, and is something that he decided a long time ago he wanted to do with you? Do you really believe that? Have you received that? Do you live that? Do you really know that you know that you know that God placed you in this world on purpose and not so that you would be miserable and not so you would go through a bunch of junk, but that through your life, he would bake a beautiful piece of bread that would change the world, that would impact the world, that would bring delight and wonder to the world of a God who is delightful and wonderful and gracious and majestic today. Imagine right now, if we weren't sitting here talking about this, would we be thinking about how wonderful and awesome God is? We need to be reminded. There are times I'm driving on the road and I am a very fleshly person thinking about, why did that guy do that? Why do I got, why do I got all these problems? I need this moment. I need a group place. I need time every week to be reminded that God is doing something wonderful in and through me. And guess what? We all need that. Because the burdens of this life can pile up and all the books I read are how horrible my life is. And the more you think it, the more you'll believe it, the more you'll live it. We need to be encouraged that even this mess can't stop God from producing something great. Even the troubles of life can't mess up his recipe for your life. Even the disappointments in life can't keep him from making something wonderful with you but we have to deal with the leaven. How do you deal with the leaven in your life? How do we apply this and actually live God's word today? Confess your sin. Confess it. In a moment, we're gonna sing. It's a time of confession. It's a time to say, this week, here's how I sinned against you. I confess it. I admit it. I am guilty. Clean me of it so I stop doing it and help me to move forward. Help me to live a righteous and holy life. Thank God for his patience and forgiveness. God is being patient with me right now. He's being patient with you. He's saying, I'm going to move you along. If you know me, you're my child. I'm going to discipline you, and I'm going to patiently bring you into a place where I want you to be. And sometimes that hurts, and sometimes that feels wonderful, but that's what I'm doing. I found in life one of the greatest medicines that I wish I could just, you know, sell it because it's so amazing is thankfulness. It is the greatest medicine you can take. Being th learning to be thankful in all things solves a lot of problems in life. Are we thankful for God's patience and forgiveness? Live in victory over sin. Don't be defined by your sin. Some of us allow our sin to be so much of who we are that's all we think about ourselves. 
Well, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm an adulterer. And we think of our sin as defining us. Do not let your sin define you. Let Christ define you. Christ, his perfect Holy Spirit, lives within you. That sin is nothing. It is to be cast away. It doesn't define you at all. You are no longer that. You've been bought with a price. Do not let your sin define you as a person. You have victory. Embrace that victory. Live in that victory. And then finally, God didn't let you go through your recipe so that you could produce something for yourself, right? He didn't let you go through all that pain so that you could have victory just for you. He didn't give you those abilities or that heart or those spiritual gifts so that your life could be better. He gave it so that you could minister to your friends and family. He gave it to you so your neighbor could be blessed. He gave it to you so the person who's living in despair today can find hope. He gave you all of this recipe so that you could be a beautiful fragrance that would bring people to him. That when they say, why are you doing this? You say, because I was bought with a price and I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, love you even if I don't get anything in return from you. And I want you to know what the best is. And the best is Jesus. And the best is the gospel. And the best can change everything in your life if you're willing to receive and believe. You see, today, you don't exist here on planet Earth for you. You exist for at least 12 other people, if not more. There are people that are watching you every single day of your life. There are people that, that listen to you and think about what you say and watch what you do and see how you act. And they're saying, is this real? Is this true? Are they really in love with Jesus? Are they really his child? Is this something they do or is this something they are? Right? Today, Today, what is God saying to you? What is he saying to you? Is there unconfessed hidden sin that needs to be confessed? Do you need to start living in victory and stop living in defeat? Do you need to stop looking at the enemy and start looking at the winner, Jesus? Do you need to start looking at heaven coming and not all the things in the past? Do you need to start focusing your heart on things that are above and not things that are below? What is God telling you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking into your life right now?